This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Okay, so uh, right now, if you're attending, this is just me recording live for a, a recap podcast for the Euro 2020 that just happened. So the sound quality on my phone doesn't sound the best. And obviously, it's because this mic is not connected to the phone, but to my computer screen. Okay, so hello, everyone. Welcome to Soccer Pilgrim. <laughs> I'm your host, Jason Kim. And today's uh, is just an episode recap on the Euro 2020. And I got to say... Italy versus England is pretty, pretty fucking wild game. It was a pretty good game. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I guess I'll st- I think all of us have a story as to where we were when England was playing Italy or Italy was playing England. And oh, what did you say? Pana kind of a mix between dude and friend. Hard to properly. Tra- <laughs> Thank you. Is that a Venezuelan thing? I'm going to guess that's a Venezuelan thing. If so, I'll remember that. That'll be good whenever I travel again. So, yeah. So, um. Uh, where do I begin? Italy was just amazing. I think hands down, Italy Italy was just a better team than England. I I was at an English pub. I biked there from La Salle to... I biked there from where I live to Bishop and Bag, which is in a mile end. And that was a fun bike ride. Fun, one hour, 45-minute bike ride. And once I got there, we the game was at 3, and we got a table at 1.30. Just to let you know. So if you go to a World Cup or a Euro final or Champions League final, definitely go more than an hour earlier to uh to get tables. And we were lucky to do so. And it was fun. And England scoring the third minute was way too good to be true. I don't... Uh, well, Luke Shaw's goal, I mean, it was a beautiful goal. I mean, no one saw that coming. Great cross, great run. Hits it uh near post for, for Luke Shaw. And he gets it in. Beats Donnarumma. Great goal. But... I remember losing my voice after that goal because I didn't see it coming. However, what made um, what made it more nerve-wracking was that they probably scored a little too early for their own good. Uh, especially Italy. Italy bounced back, Chiellini goal, and it was 1-1 at the second half. And when you think about it, both goals scored in that game were both scored by defenders. So defense is your best offense at the end of the day. And the one takeaway from the England-Italy game is that Southgate is a little naive with his tactics. I don't understand why you would put in Rashford, Sancho, and um, and Saka. Well, maybe not Saka. Saka came in like at the 70th minute, but still. I don't understand why I put Rashford, Grealish, and Sancho so late into the game when they could have done more early on in the game and be more of an influence, but, you know, I'm not the manager. And if anything this game has proven is that when it comes to penalties, England is... Uh, I don't know. I think... I. The penalty, I, England could have won on penalty if they had chosen a different lineup. And I wish they had, or just a different different teams or different players that take the penalty shots. And no, they lost. Of course they did. At Wembley. It's as if the Euros, whoever organized the Euros, seemed to have made this tournament easy for England to win. And yet they still bottle it at the final. And I just, I don't get it. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm not... It's disappointing for England for sure. But at the same time, it's... uh. It's promising, you know. They, what you, what you see with this England performance now is, you see a team that's gonna do really well in the next World Cup or in the next Euro. What it really comes down to 
Yeah, England. Yeah, England. Uh, thank you, Hoyong. <laughs> England effed up with their lineups. I I think I don't know why you would play a three center back at like a like a what like a five back three two wing backs two center mids and then three forwards. I mean, if you're Chelsea, when when Conte was three four three, that that's amazing. But they didn't have that, and I just I I don't understand. Whereas Italy almost knew exactly how England was going to play. And England, despite this Italian team being just as young as this England team, they showed more maturity. Yes, there's a good mix of maturity in the Italy side, like the two Chiellini Bonucci. It's great experience, but it's just too bad. <laughs> it's just too bad. I felt bad for England. I I low-key wanted football to come home, and it didn't. It went to Rome, and I'm happy about that too. And it, for me, overall, the Euro 2020 was an amazing, amazing, amazing tournament. It was so much fun. I mean, it started with a Christian Eriksen heart attack on the field, which was, like, insane. I don't think anyone saw that coming. And then, well, let's scroll back. Let's see what games they played. Yeah, okay, Turkey destroyed, yeah, Italy destroyed Turkey. Oh, yeah, Turkey was a disappointment. That was another team that was disappointing. I thought Turkey, who were undefeated in the qualifiers, would do better. Yet they were garbage. Uh, they they just weren't good, and it's it's too bad. But I think the biggest game in the first match day or the first group stage is uh oh my cat oh hello someone who just won a soccer game, not the father. Congratulations, couldn't make it because I'm still a weak bitch. So there's there's that. But yeah, uh, and there's my cat in the background. But yes, so far. Uh, it's been a really good Euro. I'm very disappointed that France didn't make it as far as they should have. France was the team to beat. If everyone's final four for this Euro was France, uh, Portugal, it Italy was even there. England was there for sure in that list. And the fourth team was probably yeah, definitely Belgium. And oh, there's my cat. Hello. <laughs> yeah, as you can see, she is furry move <laughs> but yes so let's talk about france france was disappointing i i when you see this france this french team they're so good they are so good uh it's pretty much the same team that's won the world cup and plus benzema and that's already superb and benzema started this tournament incredible and he and he remained cr incredible it, it and all the pressure went to Kylian Mbappe, and everyone blamed him. But we forget he's a 22-year-old kid, 22-year-old young man who just won the World Cup lat like a few years ago. So let's not be so hard. Hello. <laughs> yeah. So also, I have, I'm not going to even edit this episode. I just feel like leaving it as is. I was like, this is how it sounds like if you if you tune into an Instagram live. So this episode is a Instagram live specific. I am not going to edit this out of sheer laziness. <laughs> but also like I didn't really have I didn't really write a script, you know. For me this is all fun. And what's not fun is definitely France being shit or not being shit, just losing. Uh another team that was disappointing was definitely Germany. I didn't think Germany would be this weak. Uh not weak, but underperforming. I Losing to England makes sense. They lost at Wembley, and it felt like it was a prophecy for England to one day beat Germany at open play, and they did. And the Germans just don't have a convincing striker, and that's their main problem. Is They, they have Timo Werner, who's good. He's okay. He's had a decent season with Chelsea, but he's not a killer. He doesn't change the game. He's not like... Uh, 
I don't know how to say it. He's definitely not Chiro Immobile, who hasn't scored anything. But he he's not Lukaku, and that's a problem. And I and I think Bel- Germany is missing a Lukaku striker who could just turn the game on its head and whenever. So that was disappointing. <laughs> that was disappointing. It sounds like I'm disappointed with everyone, which I'm like, you know what? I'm not disappointed because I'm kind of happy to see how the World Cup turned out to be, although I wanted to see a new winner. England never won the Euro, so that's kind of why I wanted England to win the Euro. But alas, it wasn't meant to be because they're a bunch of heathens, and that's what you get for Brexiting. You don't win the Euro, especially if you Brexit. You just don't get to win the Euro. And then another team. And another team that was good and I thought should have done maybe... Well, no, they did as good as I think everyone expected was Spain. Spain was killer. Uh, I think Spain was a lot of fun, a lot of fun to watch. And that's it. <laughs> they were just fun to watch. It was they're nothing special. I think the one thing that everyone will remember of the Spain performance is Pedri, 18 year old with a 99 uh, pass completion at a semi final game against Italy at the Euros, and he's only 18. He won best young player of the tournament, and deservedly so. This guy is like the next. He's like Iniesta and Xavi put into one guy. So that's really promising to, to watch. If anything, this Euro showed all the young promising talents that have come out and that are exciting to watch. Uh, Patrick Schick. I don't think he's necessarily young, but Patrick Schick at the Czech Republic, definitely his uh, market value like skyrocketed. So we'll give him that. And like, let's see another team. So Spain, Morata got a lot of pressure, and I feel bad for him. He scored an amazing goal against uh, Italy, faked Donnarumma the wrong way, and puts it near post. And... That's a hard skill for a striker, as someone who plays forward, to fake out the keeper. That's like your your mind's moving at a slower pace in a good way, where the game just slows down, you know what's happening. And Morata was killer, but missed the penalty. And everyone's only going to remember him missing the penalty and not Danny Olmo missing the penalty. And Danny Olmo was standout player for, uh, for Spain. Another great player to watch out for, Danny Olmo at RB Leipzig. Worth the watch. Another team that was, okay, I wouldn't say disappointing, but kind of expected that they were going to be this way was the Netherlands. The Netherlands without Van Dyke is definitely an important factor. No Virgil Van Dyke, uh, it's it's no party. I mean, like if you look at Liverpool without Van Dyke, they they suffered tremendously on defense. Like they they were just horrible Liverpool this season uh, going forward because their defense was just not solid at all. You know, your best offense is your best defense. And if this Euro final proved so, the both defenders scored the only goals in open play. You know, so defense is good. Defense. And Portugal. Yeah, let's talk about Portugal. All right. So where do I begin? On paper, Portugal is an incredibly stacked team. With Cristiano Ronaldo being the LeBron James of soccer, who just doesn't quit, can't stop, won't stop, will not stop. And the guy with body of a greek god literally and it's too bad because i mean he did they're defending champions so at least for ronaldo he has the satisfaction of saying that he's won the euro so good for him and the next big thing is definitely the world cup and now messi winning copa america with argentina will make this ronaldo messi rivalry even more interesting because it's going to be who is going to be the first player between messi and ronaldo to win the world cup and if let's say I could really actually this is the last chance they get to to do that next year will be the last chance that Messi and Ronaldo will legitimately get to play in a World Cup in the physique that they're in right now what is my what is my cat doing 
She's like jumping on the wall. Anyway, so my cat's possessed. And another thing about Portugal, Bruno uh, Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez was from was not convincing. I mean, like at Manchester United, he was he's so good, dangerous pla- uh, dangerous passes, great crosses, great free kicks, just an all-in-all playmaker. But I've the main critique that I've heard about Bruno Fernandez for those match from Manchester United fans is that he's not consistent in big games, and that's his problem. He just doesn't he seems to disappear. And there's a fur. <laughs> Oh my god, ugh, there's a fur on my tongue. Thank you, cat. Hello, I love you too. Anyway, um So Portugal is a team that I wish made it at least to the semifinal. I predicted that they would make it to the semifinal, but they didn't because, you know, Ronaldo and Co. There's my cat. And she's just gonna jump back up too. My god, annoying. So another team that I was keeping a close eye on was Wales. <laughs> Sam's asking who are we talking shit about everyone we're talking about ev- I'm going through the list of teams and my initial response to all of them so far uh, Turkey has been the most disappointing because I just I can't believe it because I, I really had them to get to the at least quarterfinal and they didn't even make up the group stage these fucks and that's too bad and who else was disappointing Portugal was disappointing I'm fuck like I, I I mean, then again, they're playing against Belgium's last chance of a golden generation win. I mean, maybe the next World Cup would be their last chance, but you're talking about a Belgium team that's pretty stacked, except on defense. And you're talking about a Portugal team on defense to f- offense, even a goalie. Everyone's everyone's great. Everyone's at, at least the eight out of eight out of ten. Germany, yes, I t- I just spoke about Germany, and biggest problem with Germany was they need a new coach, which this. The current coach, uh, uh, Joachim Love, is uh, stepping down. And I, a lot of rumors are speculating that it could be Jurgen Klopp coming in next. Which would be cool to see Jurgen Klopp to be coaching Germany. That would be awesome. Like That would be so cool. Which I think he is because he didn't sign a new contract with Liverpool. So he might be in Liverpool for another year or two. And then bounce off to the German national team. That's my theory. And then if Jurgen Klopp leaves, Steven Gerrard will take his spot as coach in uh in Liverpool. That's that's how I see it. But the biggest problem with the Germans right now is the striker. Timo Werner's a good striker, but he just doesn't score enough or he's not convincing enough. He's not a bad player. They're just like they're missing a killer factor because before this bef- before 2018, Germany's best like forward was Miroslav Klose, an aging star who beat Ronaldo, the Brazilian Ronaldo. He beat his uh, World Cup goal-scoring record. And you can't really replace a guy like that. As unless you have a new kid who could just kill it. And they don't have that Germany. Which is too bad. It's very too bad for Germany. Oh yeah, Croatia. Okay. Croatia. They went as far as everyone thought they were going to make it. I think they made it to... Where, where, did they make, where did Croatia make it to? Quarters? Round of 16? No. No. Qu- no. Round of 16. Oh, wait. Did they even make it to the... Oh, no. Yeah, they lost to... Oh, right. The best game in the tournament. They lost to Spain 5-3. I can't believe I forgot that. That was, hands down, the best game in the tournament. Or maybe not. Probably this final was one of the best. But the Spain-Croatia round of 16 game came out of nowhere. I mean, it ended it. It ended 3-5 loss for Croatia. And this Croatian team was 
kind of supposed to lose to Spain because the Spanish team is young. Uh, the only old players on a Spanish team is like Busquets, Jordi Alba, Aspilicueta, and and that's it. That's all I could think of right now. And then this Croatia team, everyone's old. Everyone, like this this team is done in terms of physicality. Like Luka Modric shows that class is permanent, but you can tell he gets gassed at like the seventieth minute. You see him slowing down. You just see him like his his tank is empty. I like this Croatia team, but. It's going to be another 20 years till we see a very good Croatian side again. It's generational with them. If that's the only consistent thing about them is that they're generational in terms of creating a golden generation every so often. And Wales, I think I started talking about Wales before until Sam asked a very good question of who are we talking shit about. Um, uh, with Wales, I was, wa- I was watching, I'm a Gareth Bale fan. I love Gareth Bale. And... I was a huge Wales fan in the 2016 World uh, Euros. 2016 Euros, they made the semifinals. They lost to Portugal, which is like kind of, you know, you're supposed to lose to Portugal at that point. But they beat Belgium. That was the big shock. They beat Belgium at the quarterfinal of the Euros. And I was so happy. And also showed that the Welsh fans are incredibly fun. The Welsh national anthem is probably one of the best national anthems I've heard. Maybe second to Italy. Well, it, what makes it Italian national anthem so much amazing is the how the players sing it and how the fans sing it and the the vibe. As a, as a matter of fact, yesterday at the at the bar when we were sitting down and just watching national anthems, there's a Quebecois couple next to me, like this biker couple, and they were singing "God Save the Queen," and she was like, "Hey, it's chanson God, Queen, on sauve la Queen." It's like we're saving the Queen, and I was like, "Yeah, that's weird, isn't it?" And we just started laughing. She's like, "Yeah, that's fucking weird." Maybe some maybe it's a French Canadian thing. I don't know, but it was it was weird. It's still weird. It's still weird to me that you protect a queen and not yourself. Anyway, and unless the queen's your wife, oh. <laughs> uh, another good team that's uh, that I was also watching closely was Scotland. I I love those Russia hands down the best. Is this propaganda? You spreading propaganda, sir? But <laughs> Russia is a team that could be doing better. I think Russia if they start taking this thing seriously, which they are, if they took it seriously and they can export more Russian players to Western European clubs and leagues, the Russians could be promising. Uh, Akinfeyev is a great goalkeeper, and I am blanking out on names. All I remember, there was a player named Jerkov. Z-H-I-R-K-O-V. He used to play for Chelsea. And Oh, National Anthem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you sam for uh clarifying for clarifying that yes actually the russian national anthem is probably the most memed out national anthem on the planet it's like if ever you want to do a communist meme you just you just play that national anthem and then that's it it's like <laughs> rational national anthem is the kind of anthem that makes ugh, when i think about it and i'm listening into my head the russian national anthem has so much glory in the way it's sung and the way it sounds it's like I should kill people to bring this for my country. Like, it's that's kind of what national anthems are for, right? And definitely, Russian national anthem is pretty good. Another good national anthem is iconic, 100%. Another good national anthem is Scotland. I love Scotland. It's, it's kind of inspirational, it's very Braveheart. Um, and it talks a lot, it's pretty, it's pretty anti England in a lot of ways, which makes it fun. But what makes Scotland better was. No one expected them to make it out of the group stage. If you listen to uh, episode two of this season of my podcast with uh, of Euro 2020, 
I did, I covered Glasgow, and the one thing I noticed about Scottish fans and Scottish culture is they love to party. These guys love to party. I mean, if you look at the Scottish fans in London, they were wearing kilts with no underwear, and they were doing like fucking somersaults and stuff with no underwear. So basically, flashing English people in public because that's what the Scottish love to do, is to troll the English. And that's what they did. The fans were amazing. They sing a great national anthem. They showed a lot of heart, but the footballing wasn't that great. Although, I love Andy Robertson as captain and as a and as a player, but Scotland's not there yet. I think Scotland's time as a footballing powerhouse is, has been done. But in terms of league, how good is the Scottish league with like Celtic and Rangers? Now with Rangers winning the league undefeated, you know Scotland can Scotland can always bounce back. It's one of those countries that could always bounce back. Now, just tune. Oh, thanks, Sam. I'm just gonna read what he said. Just tune in to encourage you, bro, during my workout. Keep doing you. This is great, bud. Bye. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. It really, ah, oh, that made my night. Thank you, sir. Sam would probably appreciate the fact that, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, <laughs> I have no idea. I just blanked out. Let's move on to what were other big games in the group stage. I mean, I think everyone kind of forgot the group stage besides Christian Eriksen collapsing, nearly dying in front of us, which is horrifying and scary. And thank God he's okay. Uh, oh, Denmark. You know what? Let's talk about Denmark. Denmark it was definitely the dark horse of the tournament. They made it to the semifinal, and they were not in anyone's prediction to make it that far. Like, no one ever thought Denmark was going to make it to the semifinal, and everyone's pretty happy that they did because they showed a lot of heart. They literally had like a, a Lord of the Rings Braveheart moment in every game where they understood that what the stakes were at that point. Before Christian Eriksen getting that heart attack or collapsing on the floor, Denmark was in that competition like any other country, just to compete, to win, to play. And with Christian Eriksen getting hurt and pretty much having to uh, leave the tournament... For Denmark, it really became about their captain. Oh, not not their captain. Christian Eriksen. It became about him. They were playing for him. And they showed it by making the semifinal and being absolutely killer. Like, uh, Kjajar? K-J-A-E-R? Kjer? I don't know how to say that. But, like, he was a great captain, great center back. Um, Damsgaard. Oh, man. Damsgaard of Sampdoria. He was good. He's a baller. Damsgaard, you got to watch out for that guy. Remember that name. Good name. Kasper Schmeichel had the game of his life, made some incredible saves against England. And, I mean, Kasper Schmeichel is probably the most, not underrated, but definitely the most consistent goalkeeper in the Premier League. I would choose him. If I could choose a goalkeeping, if I could choose a, if I were to build a starting 11 in England from scratch, like based on players who play in the English League, Kasper Schmeichel will be my goalkeeper. Not because of this tournament, because he's consistent. And I actually like the way he plays. And also his dad was a goalkeeper for Manchester United. You want a guy who knows what to do. What do... Oh, Kirbel asked me. Very Mahari asked me. What do you expect out of Denmark at the next Euro? Good question. I don't know. I really don't know. That's a good question. Uh, Depending on Christian Eriksen's situation, if he's fit enough to come back to play for Denmark, I I don't think... I. Uh, what made Denmark special this Euro was really the Christian Eriksen effect. Uh, well, not effect, the incident. Which is unfortunate because they're a good team. And I think by the next Euros, they're definitely going to make it at the group stage. They will probably get knocked out at the quarterfinal. But I'm also speaking as someone assuming that they qualify in the next Euro and assuming 
they're beating the teams whoever qualifies in next Euro. Which you know, with, with soccer, you never know who wins or not. But I still, I still rate them. I still like Denmark. I think what they're missing is. Like any other smaller team, they're just missing a superstar that can really change the game. What makes soccer so beautiful is that when you bring in a player like Messi, you just give him half a chance and he's going to score. And that's what makes Messi, Messi. Like, you, you want to see that happen. He's a fucking fantastic player. Like, not, uh, he deserved to win the Copa America. He 100% deserved it. And now, as I said just before, it, I would love to see that new debate of who's going to be the first one to win the World Cup, Messi or Ronaldo. Who knows? Can't wait to see that. Bummed out that Montreal is no longer going to be host of the World Cup, which sucks. But you know, it is what it is. And for anyone tuning in, if you ever have any, if you have any questions, feel free to start typing whatever. It could be the most random things. Ask me anything. I don't mind. Because I'm here to have a good time at the end of the day, end of this night rather. All right. So in the round of sixteen, yeah, I talked about Croatia, Spain. That was good. England, Germany. Eh. Who is better between Messi versus Ronaldo? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Like I, I've always tried to avoid that question because it's kind of, it's, it's hard to answer that question because it's like, they're both so different in terms of style. Like one's just a fizz, one's, one's just a footballing phenom and that's messy. And the other one is just a, just a fucking beast. Like Ronaldo's a beast of a man. God damn, I want to be him in terms of physicality. Like, he's such a beast. And the first person to retire between Ronaldo and Messi, Ronaldo is about a year and a half or two years older than Messi, but I suspect that Messi might retire first. I'm not convinced about that, but the only reason why I'm saying that because Ronaldo's conditioning and off-the-field training and off-season and his lifestyle is more conducive for a longer career. Like, this guy is... The level of how he takes care of his physical health is like Joe Rogan. Like, it's kind of absurd at times. Uh, But, you know, they're beasts. Thank you for the question, MMDJ3141. You have no... mm. For whatever reason, I'm not recalling who you are. But thank you. That's a good question. That's an important question, especially in soccer. But yeah, so round of 16, yes. Denmark beat Wales 4-0. Very disappointing. I wish wish that wasn't the case. Italy beat Austria 2-1. Uh, in fact, Austria scoring a goal in Italy was the first time the Italians got scored on in like two years. It's Mao Mao David. <laughs> Thank you, David. Oh my God, it's him. It's you. Go 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 by Battlefield. We need to play tonight. Go by Battlefield Five. Anyway. Uh. England, Germany, Ukraine, Ukraine beating Sweden was surprising because Sweden's a far better team than the Ukraine. But Ukraine have Shevchenko as coach, legends, so that's good. Uh, Switzerland beating France, yeah, what a loser! What a what a great game! It's I can't believe France lost to Switzerland. It was a game that France held the lead at three one at the half, and Benzema was just a baller, balling out of his mind. And and Switzerland caught up and beat France at penalties. I couldn't believe it. If, if there's anything that this Euro has proven, the team team with the team with the most media pressure. If let's say the game is, if let's say both teams are equal, and France and Switzerland are not equal, but you know, let's just say team with the most media pressure will crack. I don't necessarily think that's the case with France and Switzerland, but. 
everywhere else, it seems to be consistent that a team with the most pressure tends to break. And I mean, with between England and Italy, Italy had been on cloud nine since the first game, and England's always been like this pressure that it's coming home, it's coming home, it's coming home, it better come home, and it didn't. And I liked how the English, what? Well, okay, maybe not all the English, because a lot of the English fans are being fucking racist towards all the black players on the team for missing the penalties, and it's like, come on, man, like it's those elements of people will always exist, of course, and. But on the bright side, I like to look at the silver lining was that what was beautiful was that there was a stronger reaction towards the racism where there's an equal amount of people, if not more people going online and saying, hey, despite the loss, we're happy. We It's been a long time since the English have been optimistic about their team. It's been a long time since the English have been optimistic, period. And for them to make it to the final and see the entire country united and be happy, because apparently in England, there's a lot of division right now. Uh... For the English who are optimistic, they see this as a very good stepping stone to the future and saying, if we did this well and if we have an easy bracket in the next World Cup or the next Euro, this might be good for everyone. This might be good for England. And I think England's got potential in the future. So I'm not... And also, okay, let's let's talk about England then. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, that's... Uh, thank you, Louis, for uh, uh, showing you Italian pride. Of course, I'm saving Italy for last because obviously they're the winners. Uh, for England I mean if you look at their squad They're so good It's so young Grealish Saka um, Cavalier-Lewin I mean he was good In the beginning of this Premier League season Then kind of like got injured And uh, faded off Sterling is only 26 I felt like, I thought he was like older And who am I missing Jaden Sancho is on the team Like uh, this English squad Is so promising Is that I'm not even concerned About the team itself The composition of the starting 11 Is good they could win anything. The problem is the coach. I think they need a new coach, but the problem is that there's no one else available. You you get what you got, and what you got is Southgate, and I he's I don't think he's good enough. I really don't. Unless he learns from his mistakes of this Euro. Oh, that's a great question. I'll get to that. Unless Southgate learns the mistake of this Euro, I don't think England's going to win because Southgate needs to change some shit up. Play... Stop being so naive. Kane is not that great. And, well, he no, he's great, but he just he just was missing something. Anyway, so David asked, uh, does soccer have a salary cap? No. No. Yeah. Like, Messi's contract was 33 million euros. And he was embezzling a lot of that money. I mean, tax evasion. Ronaldo was doing tax evasion as well. Like, the tax rates in Spain and Italy are like 40% and then France is 50% for like athletes. So there's no salary cap in, in soccer, but they're still they're installing rules. There are rules. There's something called the um the fair play, financial fair play where one team can't just buy all the players. Like you can't just dominate the transfer market by buying all the best players cuz you have like fucking Saudi Saudi Arabian oil money. And do I think should no, I don't think there should be a salary cap. It makes it fun. It makes the game fun. But I do like the rules that they do instill. What they do have is that it's to make it somewhat equal for other teams to try and get those talents. But the problem with not having salary cap is that the transfer market, every player has a value. And the transfer market is so inflated. Like an average player, you're going to have to put down like $60 million to buy an average player. Well, back in the day, like 10 years ago, $60 million could get you a very good player. Ricardo Kaká, he won the Ballon d'Or in 2008, one of the best, if not my favorite Brazilian player. He was worth like 60 to 68 million euros, you know. 
and now you that's a price of an average player like it's it's kind of nutty but in in spain they do have some like salary cap in terms of like how much money that one club could spend just like one club in terms of salaries so they do have a salary cap in some leagues like in barcelona they bought like four players but because they went over the salary cap within like within spain they can't technically sign those players unless they offload unless they offload players or people take salary cuts which you know not a lot of players like to take salary cuts so it's an interesting debate should they have it i don't think so i don't think they ever will but they should balance things out because the lower teams can't buy that much like one player could be worth let's say let's say there's a player worth 20 million dollars that could be the entire budget of a small club just trying to stay alive so after expending all that 20 mil for, let's say, stadium maintenance, paying staff and all that, then you get to the players. You only get like 10% of all that money to use to allocate players. It's not easy. Really not easy running a soccer team in Europe, but it looks like a lot of fun. What do I know, though? I play fucking FIFA manager mode. What do I know at the end of the day? So, yeah, uh, Belgium. Oh, yeah, let's talk about Belgium, too. Uh, as I said, I'm keeping Italy last because I feel like that's... Oh, man, I could talk... This Italian team is just beautiful. It's so good. Um, let's get the Belgium, though. Belgium was disappointing. Not disappointing. Yeah, kind of disappointing. But it's not fair to say this disappointing because they had injuries. Who did they play? Yeah, they played against Italy. Oh, man, that was a good game, too. First half, Belgium was ass. First half, Belgium was not good. Their defense was lacking. They play players that are way past their prime. But the problem is that that's all they have. For Tongan is... He's in Benfica now, so he's kind of he's past his prime. At the Verold, I don't remember, I don't recall him starting every game for Tottenham this season, but he's he's okay. Vermalian, Vermalian was a beast at Arsenal like ten years ago, and now he's playing in China, I think in Shanghai or something. And I'm like, uh, that's all you could find, like that's that's it, Belgium, and and it, that it proved it. But if anything, this Belgian team, what made me feel good is that there's a young kid, Jeremy Doku. A uh, young player, 19 years old. When they fielded him against Italy, I was like, who is this guy? Like, so random. It was like finding a kid off the street to play because that's how much players Belgium was missing. Eden Hazard was injured. Thanks, Louis. Um, Eden Hazard is Eden Hazard's injured. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne came back hastily from injury, so he wasn't the best. And people were talking mad shit. Louis, I don't know if you're still here, but you Italians talk a lot of shit, and you were talking mad shit about about uh about uh kevin de bruyne but belgium what they're missing is that they're just missing consistency with terms of fit players and they could have beaten italy if they had a full squad and they if they had better defense but alas it wasn't meant to be and this belgium golden generation time is running out for you guys they have the next world cup next year next year's world cup that's the last real competition that this generation gets to prove something. However, if you are a Belgian fan, keep an eye on Jeremy Doku, who plays in Rennes in France. Very good player. And lastly, I'm, I guess I'm going to end it because I'm going well, 34 minutes. I want to just do 30 minutes today. But anyway, I'm having fun. For the four people still here, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, let's talk about Italy. Oh, man, they're so good. Great national anthem. Fratelli. Italia. Na, 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 na. And the beautiful thing about this Italian team was team spirit. That's what won them this tournament. It was absolutely team spirit. They were self-aware that no one kind of put them in a final four. And I kind of feel stupid for not putting them in a final four. They were 
they were convincing. Mancini has made a team out of these boys. Like, he's created a squad that will last a long time. If anything, this Italian team will might be the basis of the next Italian golden generation. And when, when Italians hit a golden generation, there's you can't stop that. Like the these the way Italians play football is is really how I want the entire world to kind of approach the game. And the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I covered that in one of the Euro episodes. I think the one right before London, the Rome episode, I talk about their style and what they're like. And they do really well in mind games because they did a lot of dirty shit in that game. Not a lot, but they did a handful of dirty things in that game, but it worked to their advantage. And they knew it was upsetting the English, and that's what works. It's I call that the dark arts of football, and they're the best at it. Because the Italians understand that it's no nonsense all the time. We don't, no nonsense on defense, no nonsense going forward. You better meet your target. And they, and they don't mind with the English playing the ball, trying to penetrate, trying to attack. Cause they're, they could soak up the pressure cause they're expert defenders. Bonucci, Chiellini, both the, perhaps the, like the best center back pairings that Italy has produced in a long time since like Maldini and Cannavaro, or maybe those are two different generations, but, or Matarazzi and Cannavaro, like, this Italian team reminded me what Italy was like in 2006 when they won the World Cup. The Italian team of 2006 was so much fun. They were good. I mean, no one really... They were kind of also written off as well, and they won the World Cup. This this Euro, they were sort of not even considered, and they won the Euro. This proves it again. Team with the less media pressure that has the more fuck-it attitude are going to win. Belgium and Iceland had that mentality 2016. They were like, we're not supposed to be here, so we're just going to have a good time. And... Iceland got knocked out around the 16, but you know what? It's it's kind of like they went way above and beyond they were supposed to go. And Wales got knocked out of the semifinals, way, going way and above and beyond where they were supposed to achieve. And the reason why they went so far is because both teams have that, you know, we're here only once. Have fun. And that's what they did. And if more teams adopted that kind of mentality, uh, you, you, you'd go far, uh, obviously. Because like, at the end of the day, you got the Euros. Have fun. And... And this again, this Italy team, it's going to be the same team at the World Cup, pretty much, and it's going to be dangerous. The only, the only thing that Italians have to be wary about is the South Americans, because Argentina may not be as great, but they can always turn things around against European teams. If there's any kryptonite to any European team, it's the South American teams: Uruguay, Argentina, Chile, Brazil, Colombia. Right now, solid teams. I don't know about Colombia, but like solid teams. And that's it. And I think that's it. I think I've exhausted everything I wanted to say. This England team, as I've said, I wish Grealish should have been starting. Huge Jack Grealish fan. I love Jack Grealish. I'm going to get an Aston Villa jersey. If ever I get to Birmingham, I'm getting an Aston Villa jersey and getting a Grealish jersey. For sure. But yes. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is just like a fun little rant or honest uh, conversation. Just like a single stream of thought about everything I felt about this Euros. But overall, this was a very memorable Euro. A lot of fun. I was having a conversation with a with a friend of mine. Well, I actually haven't really met him in person, but like an acquaintance, let's say. And he had made a good point where he thought the one the one with Greece winning the world uh winning the Euros, the year that Greece won the Euros was probably the most uh convincing Euros or no, the most fun and memorable Euros in his opinion because that wasn't supposed to happen. Greece was not supposed to happen. Greece was not supposed to win because they were boring. They were so boring to watch. But anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for all. Uh, 
and yeah, so don't forget to follow Soccer Pilgrim on Instagram, and don't forget to follow Soccer Pilgrim on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, or any other streaming platform. You go follow my personal Instagram account. I mean, you're already following my personal Instagram account if you're on the live at Jason underscore Jisoo. And yeah, so once again, thank you for listening. Uh, I'll probably do more of this in the future for other games. This is a lot of fun. All right. This is Soccer Pilgrim. Thanks, guys. Bye.